We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat, and we also have a special guest today from Prep to Pro Pod. It's Ben Pfeiffer. Ben, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on to talk about the draft, as we're doing pretty often these days. But it's always it's always a good time, though. So. so if you're a fan of the draft, you should definitely be listening to Prep to Pro Pod. Ben does it with... Another guy, Max Carlin, and it's one of the, uh, it's probably the single best source of draft uh, news and analysis, in my opinion. They've been doing that uh, for what, like about a year at this point? Since since uh, March. It feels like forever, but. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've already done a bunch of episodes on the 21 draft in addition to covering this 2020 draft. So we're going to get into that. But first, Jason, there was actually been a lot of like news and rumors around the draft, around the NBA in general. Uh, so let's talk about those a little bit first. Yeah, so last night we had the Chris Paul Phoenix Suns thing kind of come out of nowhere with uh, from ESPN report that they've talked. Uh, while there's nothing imminent, uh, CP3 to the Suns is kind of a fun rumor. Like maybe not the first team you'd think of, because obviously with there's been the, the Bucks stuff and like the, obviously the Knicks are always involved in all that crap. But the Suns coming off their... 8-0 bubble run. Devin Booker was awesome. So was campaign. Uh, just, I mean, a fun young team there with Booker, with Aiton, with Michael Bridges. And Michael Bridges was doing a little trolling today. Uh, emoji season. So that was kind of fun. But Chris Paul, uh, that fun. That just would be a fun idea. Like, and if you look at like the contracts there, you have guys that you can move around to kind of make that big salary work, like Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre. I believe the Suns have the number 10 pick as well to dangle. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, some stuff though that they could absolutely make a trade work there with the Thunder, so that would be really a lot of fun. There were some Drew Holiday rumors and just kind of the the Hawks in general. Uh, there were some rumors with them with the Timberwolves, uh, and then the Drew Holiday stuff. I know I think an Atlanta guy came out and said 
uh, was kind of kind of dumped some cold water on those. So that oh no, the Hawks not really in the in the Drew Holiday sweep six. But he's his name with the Hawks has come up a few times. I know Zach Lowe brought him up last week as a possible target with that number six pick. Maybe get another team involved there. Maybe with the Timberwolves, maybe there could be a three way deal there, something like that. So with the Drew Holiday stuff, and then we also had some some Rockets. Some Rockets fire this morning as well coming from ESPN that James Harden and Russell Westbrook uh, might not be too happy with what's going on, which I feel like is just like a natu- the natural like progression of what has been going on there. We have D'Antoni leaving, then Daryl and Morey leaves. So like, you can, whatever you want to think about Steven Silas, it sounds like a lot of people like him. But with him there and with the new guy taking over from Morey, I believe that's Raphael Stone, got promoted from within. And with all the stuff with Tillman Fertitta and just the, some of the questionable stuff with his ownership, like, it was only a matter of time where you figured you'd hear these rumors come out about Harden and Russ not being happy. No requested trades yet, but uh, there's some. I know Kendrick Perkins was throwing some smoke on the fire there, talking about how Harden was like ghosting this the new coaching staff and ownership and all that kind of stuff. Who knows how how true that is? But stuff really picking up here. Uh, I guess Ben, let's start with the Chris Paul the Sun stuff. I'm just, what do you make of that? Do you like that fit? What do you what kind of deal do you think would need to get done there? Uh, I, that, I do kind of like the fit. I know with the Suns just being a fun young team, they could use that kind of veteran presence. God, I think that would be awesome. I mean, I don't know if that's like a move that really vaults Phoenix into championship contention, barring um, you know some really drastic improvements from one of their guys internally or another move. But that would certainly make them like a very fun uh, Western Conference playoff team. I think it, it makes sense, like you said, with Rubio. Uh, it definitely would involve Rubio, Ubre, that the ten pick. Um, definitely, you know they have assets to dangle. Um, I wonder if a third team gets involved because I feel like Rubio acquiring Rubio doesn't make a ton of sense for OKC given their yeah. timeline and what they have on the roster. Um, so I think he could be a candidate for a third team to come in and, and swoop him because Ricky Rubio is like a very good player. He's pretty underrated, I think just in his general decision-making and defense and the improved jumper, I think he could be a very useful player for a team with um, with already that has star power. So I, I wonder if he could be kind of an, another piece there for a third team to get involved, uh, maybe in a big way or maybe just to help absorb salary. But I certainly, as just a basketball fan, um, as, as someone who enjoys watching good basketball, I think Phoenix and Devin Booker and Chris Paul – would be incredibly fun as a backcourt duo. Just yeah, I mean I'm all for it. So. so my first thought on this is that I would be kind of bummed CP3 doesn't go to Milwaukee because I feel like if it's going to be Giannis's last year, obviously the team has been incredible in the regular season the last couple of years, uh, but they have some very obvious playoff shortcomings. Seems like CP3 is going to be the best player move this off season. I would have loved to just see CP3 in Milwaukee if this is going to be Giannis's last year and just see if that could be you know the one fix to get him over the top. But at the same time, I do really like the fit in Phoenix as well. I think that you know the package that you mentioned is probably exactly what it's going to take. And then in terms of like where Phoenix would be in the order in the West, like I do still think they're behind the Lakers and the Clippers, but I I could see them being with that next group with like the Nuggets, the Mavs, uh, maybe the Jazz, you know, possibly ahead of the Blazers. So I think you'd be looking at them maybe at like a five, six seed. And I believe Phoenix has not made the playoffs for 10 years at this point. They made it on that one really weird Hornacek year when Hornacek was coaching them. Uh, Am I right about this? They were short that year. Oh, they were short short that year. year. They won 48 and short. Okay, so but either way, they haven't made it in like 10 years. 
So, like, you just got to try to move the needle forward a little bit, even if it doesn't get you to championship contention. And uh, I think that that would be really cool to just, like, you know, see if the Suns could continue to build off their positive momentum that they had going in the bubble. And, yeah, in terms of, like, what they would be sending back, do they really need another young player? Like, they have so many of them in terms of the 10th pick. I don't think they're losing too much with Ubre, in my opinion. And uh, obviously, CP3 is a gigantic upgrade over Rubio, who I agree is useful and underrated. And I think, you know, it'd be cool to see Rubio on the Clippers. Uh, you know, there's a couple other teams who could use him as well. I don't, maybe even the Bulls, honestly. I, think I don't he'd be know. would be fun in Milwaukee. He would be fun in Milwaukee, too. Yeah, they certainly have something there. And back to Milwaukee, actually, one of my first thoughts on this was that. Too bad Milwaukee didn't keep Brogdon because, like, Brogdon would be a really good trade piece to try to go get CP3 in this. But now uh, I don't really know if they have anything useful to offer. And I think, you know, it sounds like the Phoenix thing could actually get done with CP3. Like, it sounds pretty serious. I read somewhere this morning that Chris Paul actually gave his, like, blessing for the trade. Yep. Uh, I think Windhorse said that, claimed that, like, CP3 is actually, like, interested in going there. I mean, who, like, who knows? But, like, I know some people, like, or would be worried about, like, are they a championship team? Like, is that the type of team you'd really want to go to? But, yeah, it does seem like the Thunder, like, are, are working with him to try to find a deal and that he would be interested in that. And, yeah, I think that, that makes sense. And you brought up Devin Booker as well, and it just made me think, like, there were some weird, like, rumblings. Like, I know they were refuted, like, almost immediately about him being upset, but, I mean, he's been in the league now, what, four or five years? And they've been – the Suns have been shit every single year. So, like, you need to at least start – making some legitimate progress there with Devin Booker before he actually does get pissed and leave, and Chris Paul would do that. Yeah. So, Ben, who would you take if you're the Thunder at 10, if you, you know, end up getting 10? Because I have a clear and definitive answer on this, but I'm going to put you on the spot first. God, that that definitely isn't a thing I've thought about. I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like I've thought about every single pick in this draft <laughs> so many times over. Um, that That's not one that I've thought about. Okay, well, um, the answer is pending. Poku? Because they're going to be I, bad for a few years. I would <laughs> certainly like that. Um, I, I would say Vassell if he falls to 10, but I don't know if he's going to get there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Poku is probably as good of an answer. I mean, I'd love – yeah, I mean, you're not going to take Maxi just because they have all of the cards. Um, yeah, I think Poku's uh about as good of an answer as you can give there. I think they're going to tear it down. Okay, yeah. so he's sure oh, yeah. that they're going to tear it down. They, just, like, they hired a new coach today. They promoted with from within some guy who I think was their G League coach, right? Yeah. Mark Dano. Dane, I don't know how to say his name, but when, I, when, they were the last team to hire a coach out of all the teams that needed to hire one. And promoting from within like that, I mean, that's just clear sign that they're about to blow this up. Uh, Jason, we got some Drew Holiday rumors, too. Why don't you go over those real quick? Yeah, I mentioned, uh, like I said, with the uh, the Hawks have been a team mentioned a few times. Uh, again, the Hawks were also – there was a rumor from this morning about the talk, them talking about the Timberwolves as well with that number one pick. Uh, I think it was the number one pick. Whatever. The, yeah, the Timberwolves have the one. The Hawks have six. Uh, and the Drew Holiday would be four. The Pelicans getting involved for the number six pick. That was mentioned last week as well. Uh also, another I feel like great fit with the Hawks if they were able to swing something, just him and uh, Trey Young, because we know the Hawks' defense has been absolutely terrible. So to have a legitimate backcourt defender next to Trey Young, who is as good as he is offensively, maybe one of the worst defenders in the in the entire league. So I feel like that would make a lot of sense. I'm curious to see like what else would have to get done, or what else would have to be included. What other team? Like I said, do, would we have a three team deal with, like the Timberwolves? 
Uh, I know Jared Culver's name was brought up in this pot, this other rumor involving uh, the Hawks and like the 17 pick is out there as well. I think the Timberwolves have that. So uh, Ben, what would you look for in a in possible Drew Holiday to the Hawks? Like, what do you what kind of deal do you think would happen there? What other do you think that a team like the Timberwolves would get involved somehow or some other team? What do you think there? Man, I'm really not sure. I mean, you'd think that some like some of their young wing pieces like Herder, Reddish, Hunter yeah. have to be involved if it's just a straight swap. Um, I mean, yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, the only concern really is like Holiday doesn't really fit Trey Young's timeline. Um, just given his age, I mean, he's thirty-ish. Like, yeah, he's like thirty now. Obviously, not old, but like not getting any younger. But I think from a basketball standpoint, it's a really solid fit. Uh, like you said, Drew Holiday, uh, one of the best point of attack defense guards in the league best like interior defending guards in the league. I think he's a little overrated as an off-ball defender and therefore just as a defender in general, but still a very, very good defensive guard. Um, and then offensively, I mean, I think he's pretty underrated. Um, one of the best, if not the best guard when it comes to getting into the paint and getting to the rim, even if he's you know not incredible uh, finishing there nowadays, he's so good getting there. He's a good passer, a good enough shooter. Like he's, he's an awesome player and I think would be an incredible compliment to Trey is Someone who you can play off the ball and someone who can you know run offense next to Trey Young. I, mean, I think a lot of Hawks fans or Hawks people talk about getting that guy in this draft. Uh, you know, finding someone who can exist next to Trey off of the ball and also run run the offense when Trey sits or Trey's off. And that player like doesn't really exist in this draft. And if he does, there's one or two of them. But Drew Holiday would definitely do that. Um, so I think it'd be a really really good fit for Atlanta and like. Just from a basketball standpoint, despite my concerns with like the long term timeline, because even with Drew, I don't think you're really competing with Atlanta anytime soon. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw this out there. I hate this. I don't want to see really? Drew Holiday wasting the last years of his prime trying to drag Atlanta into the eighth seed in the East. I want to see him on a contender. So there's so many other. This is just selfishly. Like there's so many Fair. teams that could use Drew Holiday, right? Like put him on the Nuggets. Maybe put him on Philly. Maybe put him on. The bus. Like, I would like love to see him on the Pelicans, who are going to be good soon. Yeah, like, I'm very curious why the Pelicans like seem very desperate to. Tra- I know it's it sounds like he's going to opt out of that 27 million next season, which I'm kind of surprised by. I mean, maybe he just wants one more big deal, and he thinks he could get something next off season when the all, there's going to be way more way more money. But I was kind of surprised to see that in their report this morning that he's expected to not to opt out next year. I mean, I guess just because of that, it's going to be a huge free agent class and there's going to be so much money involved, more money. I I don't know. But I, I'm, and the Pelicans are, yeah, definitely trying to win. Well, not, obviously not a championship next season, yeah, but I mean, they want to be very good. So definitely curious. make the yeah. playoffs next season. Yeah. Uh, especially I mean, with Drew for sure, I think. But Right, so that, I mean, they should want like a lot. So I'm curious, like what, like if you're looking at the, if it is the Hawks, like number six pick, and then like you said, probably a decent amount more. Like I'm just really curious, like where the Pelicans would settle on a trade there, just because they should want to keep him for right now. It just seems like they're, it just seems like they're definitely. I don't want to say desperate to trade him, but those the Drew Holiday rumors have been out there like for so long. It seems like it's been a few years. <laughs> he's he's been rumored to be on the trade block. So and uh, a lot of teams could certainly use him. If the Pelicans end up at number six, Ben, I'm just going to put you on the spot again. Who do you take at number six if you're New Orleans? Um, Isaac, Isaac Okoro, if he's there, Devin Vassell, if he's not. Yeah, Vassell was the guy who I was going to say there. Yeah, that, that one, I mean, because Pelicans in the like, rumored trade-ups, uh, wing defense, 
is like number one for for New Orleans. I think at this point, um, you've got two very good options. I'd say there's like three there's three real options in the entire draft. Third being Josh Green to me, um, but those those are the two really really good ones. Uh, I think both of them are probably going to be off the board at, at thirteen. I mean, almost certainly, I think. Um, so that would be a, definitely a nice get in a trade up. But I mean, I'm generally like anti-trading up in this draft unless the scenario is really specific. But I think that would actually be a pretty good one because those are two guys the Pelicans could really use. We'll definitely talk about the Bulls and possibly trading because that's been kind of out there. Oh, a bit later, though. Uh, and that other, the other part of that rumor with the Timberwolves and Hawks and the Jared Culver stuff. I know Ricky was a Jared Culver guy. Uh, then I am not, were you a, were you a Jared Culver guy coming into the draft last Jared year? I was a Jared Culver guy. And he, from what I didn't watch the Timberwolves a lot last year, but I feel like what from what I saw, he he stunk. sucked. Yeah, 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 real bad. Uh, yeah. So, do you guys still have faith in him turning around? Like, it's interesting that he's in this rumor, like already. Like, the Timberwolves ready to bail on him already. Like, do you think that'd be a mistake? Do you think you guys just kind of missed on that one? Like, what do you what do you guys think about that? I'm gonna let Ben take this one first. Sure. I mean, I think I, there, there were definitely some aspects of me missing on Culver. The bi- the big one was just like underestimating the the level at which his like on ball creation would not translate, but like, I still like have some belief in him. Like I, I probably overestimated this shot like a little bit, but I don't think there was any way to predict him being this bad of a shooter. Like the like, like he was horrific this, this last year. And I don't think that's going to stick. I mean, I, he's probably not an incredible shooter ever, but I think he should be good enough. And also just like, he didn't really have any help. Um, on the wings, like he was like their yeah. only real wing defender, and that obviously puts a ton of strain. I thought he was pretty solid on defense. Obviously, you know, had his issues defending off the ball as all rookies do, but I think he was pretty good on the ball. Um, good guarding down, I thought. I mean, I had his moments as a team defender. I think he's still going to be a pretty good defensive wing. Um, and then offensively, like still like the passing kind of just wasn't there, which was definitely surprising to me in that he was like an incredibly good wing passer at Texas Tech. But again, I think a lot of that relates to the the lack of self-creation, which is kind of key to unlock that passing, especially uh, in a team like Minnesota that we'll say doesn't write, doesn't run like the best offense um, tactically and doesn't have, you know, the best personnel to maximize someone like Culver. So I think like, I'm certainly like not ready to give up on Jared Culver. Right. Yeah. Probably like I shouldn't have had him like number two uh, where I had him last year. That was, that was, that was an overshoot, but I, I am a big fan. Like, like I, I still, I wouldn't like throw him away. I, I still have a decent amount of faith on him yeah. and I certainly wouldn't use him to like move up in this draft. Like, Someone asked me, it was uh, our mutual friend Francis on Twitter. He said, who is the worst person you would trade, the the worst player, I should say, who's the worst player you would trade the Bulls' number four overall pick for? And I was tempted to say Culver, but I feel like that would probably just be too much to give up for Culver. Uh, and I ended up saying, like, OG Ananobi, but I didn't feel strong about it. And he was like, well, I was thinking more uh, DeJounte Murray, it's sort of an it's a it's a really good like sort of thought exercise just to like go through who who you what sort of established player you would actually trade that pick for. Uh but with Culver, what really bummed me out is he made like forty five percent of his free throws. So when you're like <laughs> Lonzo Ball esque. I mean, just like really, really fucking bad. And his true shooting percentage was under fifty percent. He wasn't getting to the line as much, uh probably because he was scared to take a free throw, honestly. And just like Ben said, I also thought that he would be able to will himself into 
uh, one of these like new age oversized offensive initiators. And I'm not totally sure how many opportunities he actually got to like play on the ball and be in those situations as a rookie in Minnesota. Certainly that team had a lot of issues and now they acquired D'Angelo. Maybe they go get LaMelo Ball with the first pick here. Uh, I don't think Jared Culver's ever going to find himself really in an on-ball role if those two guys Nor are should he, I think. I mean, I don't think that's a role he ever should be in after watching him last year. Um, even, like, before, I think he was always, like, more of a secondary. Like, comp- like I, I always thought of him as a complementary wing piece, like, not, not an initiator. But like, even, like, in his, you know, secondary offense, he really struggled. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I, obviously, the addition of someone like Lamelo, I think, would help him. But so yeah, that's a, that's an interesting rumor. And then we'll hit one more before we get into the draft talk, and we got to talk about the Rockets. Yeah, the, the Rockets. The rumors yeah. that James Harden, Russell Westbrook—they're upset. I feel like we talked about this on the podcast months ago, Jason. At least I think we did. Maybe it was, we did bring up yeah, the possibility yeah. of just like after D'Antoni left, after Daryl Morey left, we talked about the possibility like maybe James Harden will ask out sometimes. We always kind of figure that Russ. The Rockets, Rockets might look to trade Russ just because, I mean, naturally, because he struggled and he's getting up there. Like, Harden's still in his prime, still like a top-flight player. Russ, not as much. They both have huge contracts. But now with the the rumors out there and just some of these rumblings about them not being happy, and again, with, with the new coach, with the first-time head coach, and with a new first-time, like, whatever, head of basketball operations, like, it, it make, I, I get it. It's not surprising at all that this is coming out. I'm like curious, like what they think they're going to do this off. I'm, I'd have to look with the Rockets roster again, but like I'm not even sure what else they can do. Like I think PJ Tucker like might be up for an extension. I'm not really sure how much else they'd add. They, they would obviously, I think they want to add a big man because I don't think they're going to go like full blown small ball anymore. But like the, some of, some of the stuff I'm like seeing out there, like I'm now starting to think that Harden's might won't make the last it through the season. Like I don't know if he's going to get traded this off season, but like. Maybe we're trending to a point where he's like a huge trade deadline deal. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's it's certainly the whispers are certainly starting. Uh, ben, what what do you think? Do you think Harden lasts through this season with the Rockets? Yeah, I mean, I would guess that he does. I just think he's too good. Yeah. For them to really like blow it up. Um, I mean, with Harden and any sort of competent roster, I think you have a chance to win a title, even if it's an outside shot. He's that good of a basketball player and that good of an offensive engine. So I just, unless you can really get a haul, yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not sure who you, who, who you'd really want for him. Like if you can get the Pelicans, to, like give you Zion for, for him or like some, some, something of that ilk. I mean, do the Sixers, I know the Sixers yeah. stuff has come up like, like would yep. Simmons for Harden, like yeah. be, I mean, even something? like that seems like kind of lateral. I mean, at least yeah. for Houston. Um, obviously I think that would be pretty fun for, for Philly, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think Harden gets traded, and unless like the Rockets somehow are really bad or yeah. Harden something happens with him, I just don't see it. I mean, I I, I don't have uh, intel or the ability to see into the future, but yeah. that would be my prediction that Harden is pretty safe where he is at the moment. Well, what the hell? Then why do we ask you to come on the podcast? Uh, I don't no, know. I think the, the longer they hold on to Harden, the less value he's going to have. And I believe he can opt out after the 21-22 season. Is that correct? We're just going to go with it. We don't really fact. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, so, like, then at that point, if you trade him after this season, 
the team that's acquiring him is only getting like one year guaranteed. I think that that would sort of impact whatever value is going back. And yeah, like you said, there is no fair trade for James Harden because James Harden's totally ridiculous. And, you know, one of the greatest shooting guards ever still in the prime of his career. Uh, I just think this is totally inevitable that uh, this is going to happen. And I don't think that there's going to be any saving this marriage between the Rockets and Harden. And let's be honest, like they got a lot of great years out of Harden. Harden was pretty loyal to the franchise for a long time. No one sticks with the fr- one franchise forever. Very few people do. Uh, and my, my f- initial trade idea here is maybe Oklahoma City can trade the Rockets all their draft picks back and get James Harden. <laughs> Oh, God, that's hilarious. I, sure, why not? I mean, teams should be lining up at the door. And a lot of people, oh, a lot yeah. of fans don't like Harden because of the style and all that stuff. But he's obviously amazing. Yeah. Still, I mean, every team that can get yeah. Harden should try. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. Ricky, w- Ricky, what, if, for the Bulls, what kind of, what was a good trade package for the Bulls to throw it for James Harden? The entire Everybody. roster? Like, I don't care about <laughs> Literally everything. Like, obviously, like, Zach... At least Zach, the number four pick, uh, probably a future pick, uh, at least one of the big men, and then like, do you need still like Otto Porter to like make salaries work, and then maybe even more than that? Like, I don't even, I don't know. Like, obviously, it's going to need a lot. Yeah, and then the Rockets could get really comfortable finishing thirteenth in the conference, which yeah. is where the Bulls have been the last few years, and absolutely, just, you know, make themselves at home there. So, <laughs> yeah, I, my. My immediate thought, though, is that I think that this is sort of going to be a quiet off season uh, because it's so truncated and because, like, you know, we're going to get into the regular season so quickly here. I think that, uh, you know, CP3. Well, it seems like we're going to have, like, a few, we're going to have a few big deals here. CP3 will like, move, right? yeah. Holiday will move, and then I really think it's setting up for just, like, a totally, like, mind-melting offseason at the end of this upcoming season. Giannis probably moves, Harden moves. Who knows what happens with the Sixers? I think the whole league just blows up and rearranges. And uh, love to see you know, it. That'll be fun. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So let's before we talk about uh, the Bulls and their drafts and the number four pick, let's uh, take a quick word from our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting indeed each month indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over three million businesses so right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollar credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast so try indeed out with a free 75 dollar credit indeed.com slash blue wire this is their best offer available anywhere so go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire Terms and conditions apply. The offer is valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. 
So head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We are back. Cash Considerations, AHI Bulls Podcast. Ricky, let me throw it over to you to ask Ben what your first question about the Bulls and the number four pick. You say it like I have one prepared, but no, let's just talk <laughs> about the number four pick because, uh, Ben, I feel like I tweeted my mock draft after I had the Bulls taking Killian Hayes and you were agreeing with that mm-hmm. selection. Uh, let's just run down a few of their options. They could take at number four, though, before we get into like exactly what you would do. So I feel like the the name that's being buzzed about right now is Denny of Denny, yeah. uh the Israeli power forward. I feel like people are saying that he's going to go to the Bulls because the Bulls' new front office of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley is not giving the media shit. I think everyone's totally in the blind on this right now. And we're going to know what the Bulls are going to do about 15 seconds before they do it when Woj tweets it and not a second earlier than that. So uh, I think that people are guessing Denny because – there's this sense around the league that his value is top five worthy, and there's a sense around the league that, well, Kardashovas has an international background. Denny's an international player, so uh, I'm not totally sure how much faith to put into the projections the Bulls are going to take Denny. I don't expect you to have any insight on this, but I'm curious what you would think of Denny going forth to the Bulls and sort of what your analysis of that pick would be if it did happen. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be my favorite pick, mostly because of value. I, I just don't think Denny is top five good. I, I have him as like a mid lottery type, more than more than a top five uh, real, real value, just because I don't think he brings any of the creation that's or like, and he's not not good enough of like a defender or or you know a playmaker or does any of the things like he's not like Jaron Jackson when it comes to superstar role players as prospects. So I just think he leaves a lot of that to be desired. Just don't think he generates the impact of a top five pick. So like like even if it is a decent fit, which we'll get into, I just think there's going to be better options. I I don't hate the fit. I think um, you want you want guys who can make good decisions and, and and kind of take the ball and take decision making responsibility away from Zach Levine um, and like to to a lesser extent Kobe White, even though it's not really as big of a problem at this point to me. Um, I I don't hate it. I mean, assu- assuming they keep both of their bigs. I think he provides some lineup versatility. Probably don't want him play, playing anything really but the four. But regarding the other two, I mean, he he's a really really impactful defender, uh, really smart team defender, making rotations to protect the rim on on the backside. He's not you know the toolsiest or the strongest or the most explosive, but he's really smart and disciplined, and he plays really really hard. So I think he's going to be a good a good four defender. And then offensively, obviously, you know, the, the shot is has been belabored to death by everybody. I'm 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 more concerned about his ability to you know create his own offense with the ball in his hands. Um, I just don't think he can, he can really dribble or or you know finish or create space at the level he needs to be. But I think he's going to be a really really good off ball player. Um, he's maybe the best cutter in the draft. Just an awesome sense of space and getting into spots. Obviously, a very good passer, um, and you know, like I talked about with Culver earlier, I think his lack of, you know, his lack of self-creation and ability to you know dribble and get to spots uh, limits the passing in the half court. But he's a really, really great passer who I think can run a secondary pick and roll from time to time, and definitely attack a closeout if anyone's up closing out to him or off of a cut. So I think there's a lot of useful skills that Denny brings. So 
he he to me is like more of a ceiling raiser than someone who can drive your offense or raise your floor. I just don't really think he's what the Bulls need. I think the Bulls need to shoot for someone who can who can really drive up that ceiling by himself and drive drive up the floor, excuse me, and be be more of like an offensive driver, which is why, you know, I I like someone like Killian Hayes a lot more. Um, I like just, just that, that's the example that I, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about later that I would love. Um, I, yeah, again, like I think if, if this is like the final Bulls team, he, he adds a lot of things they don't have as like a useful role player and he'd probably be a pretty solid NBA player. But with the number four pick, especially with the position that the Bulls are in, uh, I would personally look elsewhere and look for someone with more of a ceiling, really. Yeah. So, like, where do you, where do you think this, like, top possible, like, five hype? Because I feel like I've seen some other hype from, I know, like, I think it was Ethan Strauss wrote something about how the Warriors really liked him and how just a lot of teams really liked him. Do you think it's just because of, in this draft with so many, like, question marks about how good some of these guys can be just because he does so many things well? Uh, I know something we've talked about is, like, the, the Luka factor, and obviously I, I've... Sh- try to sh- shut that down. Like, obviously, he's no Luka Doncic, but do you think teams are, like, seeing, since, because Luka, they, they underestimated Luka that, like, well, maybe we don't want to underestimate this guy. Do you think that's, some of that is playing into why he's kind of getting some, like, possible top five hype and possibly number four to the Bulls? Maybe. I mean, I don't really think so. Or at least I, I like to think NBA yeah, I would hope not. better than that. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just, he kind of has, like, the pedigree as he's been in, like, top prospect conversations for a long time since he was, you know, like, 17 or 16 playing up in, in, in FIBA and playing really well at, at those lower international levels. And then just someone who, again, I think, like, he like he's, like, a six foot eight gets the versatility label, even though I'm, yeah. you know, I think the versatility is kind of oversold. Um, that's just kind of a blanket statement people use about Denny when they don't really know about his game or haven't thought about his role to me. But I mean, I, I mean, like, I don't think Denny in the top five is like crazy um, because he is like probably going to be a really useful role player. Um, I mean, I even like, I, I've said this before the season when I was much, I was higher on Denny than I was now. I always thought he was like a star role player at his ceiling. And, and I've talked about this before. I think two teams that, Denny fits incredibly well and that really could use a player exactly like Denny are the Wolves and the Warriors. <laughs> Obviously, I, I would I would scoff a little bit at Denny top two just because of how I think of his general impact and value. But if the Warriors or the Wolves were at four or five and they took Denny, I would totally understand that pick and, and get it. I think there's like legitimate arguments for, for Denny pretty high. I mean, I, I, I would definitely understand why somebody would have him in the top five range, even if it's not something uh, I, I personally have. Uh, all right, let's move on to another guy. We're, we're going to push off Killian for, well, for hold on, a little bit I, I was going to say, should we use this as a segue to a possible, like he talked about Dunny to the Wolves like at, or the Warriors if they traded back, if the Bulls were to trade up to one or two, uh, because that's been kind of out there as well with LaMelo Ball. Uh, and like if the Bulls... As I think it was Gavoni, like said something about how uh, the Bulls are one of the popular, quote unquote, popular picks to possibly move up for Lamelo Ball. I know Casey Johnson said that he talked about how he thinks if Ball dropped at to four, the Bulls would take him. But obviously, it would probably it would probably take a trade up. Um, so I guess just in this case, like if they were going to trade up for Lamelo Ball, or I guess that's Ben. Just you could talk about what do you think Lamelo Ball's fit with the Bulls would be. Do you think they should? Maybe target him for a possible trade up, and if they, and if you think so, what would you be comfortable get moving up in this draft, whatever two or three spots to go get him? Yeah, I don't think I would trade up for Lamelo just because I'd be 
almost certain that the Bulls could stay put and draft Killian Hayes at four, and that would be just as good, if not better. I have Killian and Lamelo as like my clear one and two, with Lamelo at one and Killian at two in their own tier. I'm not really sure which one I like better for for Chicago. Actually, I think probably Lamelo, just because I think his ceiling as kind of an offensive engine is higher, and long term, I think that's what they really need. Um, yeah, I mean, I would like Lamelo's fit in the long term. I think uh, you know he 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 doesn't really fit spectacularly with Kobe White or Zach Levine. But I think if you're taking someone like LaMelo, it's with the understanding that he is your future and those two are less of that. Um, I think, yeah, well, Z- I mean, Zach Levine, I-, I don't know what their future with him is, but I don't really want him playing on the ball, like, for a, a team that's trying to, like, win in the playoffs. Kobe White, I, I kind of feel similarly about, though obviously he's young and he has potential. I-, I-, I wasn't a huge Kobe White guy, and I'm still not really super optimistic about him as anything more than, like, a microwave score, which definitely has his uses. But LaMelo is someone who could legitimately run, I think, a good offense if he hits his ceiling, um, is something that is kind of too hard, too much to pass up. Just a special passer at his height um, and his age, a uh, special ball handler, somebody who uh, whose shot is somewhat problematic but not as problematic as a lot of people seem to think to me. And then I, I, while his frame is really problematic, um, he, because of that, he really struggles as a driver at the moment, just always getting bumped off the spot. And when he has contact um, at the rim, he struggles to finish. But the touch is ridiculous. He's going to be like an incredible floater guy, which is something you, which is something he specifically really, really needs. That's someone who's going to be operating and, and picking rolls all the time and getting to that intermediate area of the floor. And someone who probably isn't going to be explosive enough to get all the way and finish at a high clip, maybe ever, but at least not for a couple of years um, at the very shortest. So I think he, he, you know, he makes sense. I also think he'd be like a really awesome compliment with both Wendell Carter and more, more Wendell than, than Lowry. Cause I mean, Melo just like having like a pick, you know, having pick and pop bigs who are also like smart passers, I think amplifies what he does. I would m- most want him to have like a real lob threat, which I don't think either of those definitely are not. Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford, bro. Yeah, I mean, if if Gafford is that, then I think he really needs is like a, a real lob threat to mostly be maximized because he is just kind of you know an incredible lob passer. Um, yeah, that's 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 the thing I would do. Deep, and I think the Bulls can afford to like bleed the value they lose from him initially on defense because again, not a team that's really looking to or hoping to compete right now. I think. Um, I like Lamelo's long-term defensive upside. I've talked about this. I think he's pretty wildly underrated as a defensive prospect because, yes, he's objectively pretty bad right now. But he is he just turned 19. He's six foot seven, and he is a basketball genius who played like genuinely played basketball defense for the first time this past season in the NBL and had some really impressive moments. Um, especially as the season went on. So I like him as a long-term defender. Obviously, like, not as much as Killian and not nearly as much right now as Killian Hayes, who would, I think, help the Bulls from day one on defense. But LaMelo is the pick I would made. I don't think it's worth trading up for him, though, especially not if you have to give up a lot. Yeah, LaMelo's number one on my board. I feel like LaMelo to the Bulls is the best fit for both the player and the team. Like, if you look at these other teams, I don't really think LaMelo wants to go to Minnesota. I don't really think he wants to be overshadowed by, you know, Steph, Draymond, and Clay in Golden State. And if you're choosing between the Hornets and the Bulls and the Cavs, like, obviously the Bulls are the most appealing situation out of all those. So 
For Lamelo, yeah. I think he should be rooting to go to the Bulls. And for the Bulls, I think he is both the best overall player in the draft and the best fit. So I would love to take him. I'm right there with Ben where I think, you know, two, three, I got Killian and Anthony Edwards, and it's more dependent on team fit. Like I would think the Warriors would be better for Anthony Edwards, and I would think that Killian yeah. would be better for the Bulls uh, just in terms of a vacuum. So, you know, those two guys are close enough where it's more about how they fit into team contacts. Uh, but if the Bulls could only give up just like not one of their core pieces to move up a couple spots, I would love that. Uh, you know, obviously the Warriors trying to win next year. I've said this a bunch of times, but like maybe there's a way you could work out a deal where you're either sending them out of Porter, who would be really good on Golden State, or you're just giving them some bench help with Thad Young, Sadoransky, who would also probably be pretty good there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you could move up to two without giving up any of the young guys or like auto or any valuable future first, I think that would be certainly something I'd be into whether you can actually do that is like a yeah. question, but like if you can, I think it's probably worth it. Yeah. Well, let's say the Bulls stay at four and you know, I've been saying on this podcast since the lottery ended that Killian Hayes is the guy the Bulls should take. We've, we had our, our mutual friend PD Webb on to tell us all about Killian, but I'll just give you the floor here, Ben, because it sure seems like there's a better chance that Killian Hayes falls outside of the top 10 than he goes at number four. That's just the current speculation uh, as we're one week away from the draft. Like I said, I think that uh, whoever thinks they know shit about what the Bulls are going to do, they really don't know anything because Karnaschovas has been very tight-lipped, which personally I think is cool, uh, but... You know, the the general idea, though, is definitely that Killian is is likely to, like, or possibly slip outside the top ten. So uh, I'll just give you the floor. Why do you think he's the right pick for the Bulls at four? Yeah, I mean, like, like I'm sure PD has talked about, I mean, on your podcast and, and my own, I think he's absolutely the, the pick for the Bulls. I think he's the very easy pick for the Bulls at four if he's there. Just, just a fantastic basketball player and a really good prospect. I mean, he's, like you said, probably going to go outside of the top 10 or like later in the top 10, which is pretty, pretty absurd to me. Um, is Killian like so obviously good? I think there's like a lot of old, old narratives that, uh, that Killian kind of falls into where if you, you know, we're just looking at Killian after before this last season at Ulm, where he just if you just watched him at Cholet and uh, in FIBA, you could say all all of the things like oh like how is he going to score at all or is he going to be able to survive defensively on an NBA floor and you can make those concerns um, and and be like legitimately concerned well I guess concerned about those and those were concerns that I had coming into the season but he he improved so dramatically this year at Ulm um, on both sides of the ball. The, the path, the playmaking has always been there and is still there. Despite the lack of a right hand, he's brilliant as a playmaker, manipulative with timing and anticipation, a high, high-level passer, uh, would would instantly become, you know, the guy running, you know, running off the pick and roll for the Bulls. Like, they're only, like, real plus passer um, and plus playmaker on the roster, something they desperately need, I think. And then, like, offense, as a scorer, he's made crazy strides. As athletically, he's improved quite a bit. His change, his change of direction most significantly has gotten a lot better to where he's legitimately able to beat guys with, you know, quick crossovers and, and cha- just changing his angle, the angle of his drive and getting into the lane. Uh, I, I think he's a little bit burstier as well, though. That That is definitely, like, like you'll hear a blanket, like, oh, he's not quick enough to survive in the NBA. Yes, like, his burst is not elite, and uh, he's not an advanced ball handler, 
But like you see like the D'Angelo Russell comparison thrown out because of that and because like of like the light skin lefty thing. Um, which is totally reductive and, and not good. But, I mean, you'll see, like, the lack of burst, which, yes, they share, but Killian is much bigger. I mean, he's, like, legit 6'5", strong, knows how to use that strength to carve out space and use his footwork and body to decelerate and create tiny little little angles and windows to, to get shots off, and he has elite touch as well. So I think, I mean, he's, I'm not really worried about the finishing or the slashing. I mean, not, like, an elite high-level finisher or slasher, but for his for his role, which is like not like an, a, a primary driver of offense, it'll be good enough. And then like the the jumper has improved like a ton. So he, Killian's always been kind of a mid range pull up artist, um, and this and because of that, you always kind of expected him to eventually stretch it out. As you know, that that's a really strong indicator of pull up three development in prospects. The, the those prospects in college or wherever they are before the NBA who are really good at long twos but don't have the three, often develop those pull-up threes and become really good at them. I mean, you see it in, like, Kawhi and Jason Tatum and Chris Middleton and Siakam, and there's plenty of examples. But Killian did that as a prospect. Like, he, he became an accomplished off-dribble shooter this year at Ulm as an 18-year-old. Um, everyone has seen, you know, the, the double step-backs and the side steps. That's all pretty legit, I think. He's, like, a legit space creator for his jumpers, which is hugely impressive. The, I mean, off the ball on offense, he struggles just because he's never really done it, and he doesn't have the skill to to play on the ball at this to play off the ball. Excuse me, at this point, but that's a thing that can be taught. As I think, getting him to be better on spot up threes, which is what drags his three point percentage down to like twenty nine ish percent, which you'll see cited as a concern, which I totally disagree with. Um, uh, you have to take into account, you know, like the d- difficulty of shots he's taking and the volume and his shot profile. Um, that's also much more important than the raw percentage. And the fact that he's been an elite free throw shooter over his entire youth career. And then defensively, like one of the best guard defenders in the whole draft on the ball, again, has improved drastically to the point where he always had like pretty good lateral mobility and, you know, hip, hip movement. I think that's improved a little bit this year, but his technique is just wildly better staying in front of guys, having good footwork and getting around screens. But then, like, the real thing with him is he's a brilliant team defender, stunting and defending at the nail, making backside rotations, blowing up handoffs and weak side actions, and not being super mistake-prone for his age is really, really impressive. He's just an all-around excellent guard, uh, potentially someone who could defend up because of his genuine size and length. Um, He's, like, easily the best player on the board at four for the Bulls, assuming Lamelo is gone, I think. And just makes so much sense as a playmaker to you know make good decisions and be able to actually facilitate offense from the perimeter for his teammates. And then long term, uh, you know he's a player that doesn't hinder your team building because he is so such an incredible defender. And I think he can learn to play off of the ball as well. So Killian, yeah, like you said, the, the easy pick for for me at four for the Bulls if he's there. Uh, I think it's like an outside shot possible. That that's probably the highest. Like, I can see Killian realistically go, but still, I mean, I think it's unlikely, which is unfortunate. But Yeah, I was really interested to see just, like, this kind of disconnect between, like, you two guys love him, PD Webb loves him, and I, I think Kevin O'Connor has has him number one on his board. But then when I saw, like, that ESPN article from Jonathan Gavoni, like, in the, like, that 
10 to 20 t- range. Like, so like the second or third tier of guys, like I was very curious about that disconnect. You seems like you kind of addressed that. It seems like there's like old narratives playing against them. So that's just, that's kind of crazy. It's just like a huge range for him. It seems like. Yeah. Do you yeah. think there's all these uh, dudes in NBA front offices who are like, look at these nerds on Twitter who thought Jared Culver was the second best player in the draft <laughs> other than John Morant. And they're like talking about me and maybe Ben and other people. Probably. <laughs> I mean, you'd hope, I mean, again, but this is obviously a very different situation. Killian is an incredibly different player than Jarrett Culver in like a lot of ways. But I mean, yeah, like uh, I hope like he's he's. I think it would actually be pretty cool if he landed. Like, like I, there's a lot of prospects to me that are like top top level good in this draft, but are just falling. The other big one for me is Tyrese Maxey, who I think like because like they could land in situations that have good teams and teams with big creators and players who can amplify their skills, um, it's even more likely that they're going to end up turning out really good in front offices or going to say, well, we could have had him at four or three instead of whoever we took and probably would have liked him better. So, uh, I guess one other name we'll ask you about before we uh, – I want to ask you about second round guys, too, for the Bulls at, I think it's 44 they have. But first I want to ask you about Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, there's been a little bit of oh, yeah. buzz with the Bulls and Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I've, you know, given my spiel on him uh, throughout our the episodes of this podcast. So, you know, let's say the Bulls come out of this draft with Tyrese Halliburton. Maybe it's a trade down. Uh, maybe they take him at four. Hollinger uh, has him mocked at four, even though he's like, I'm not, he wasn't that sure about it, but he says a lot of people love him, and he has him going at four. So what would you think about that? Ben? Yeah, I would really not like it. Like, I'm at the point, like, with Denny where it's like, yeah, I wouldn't do it, but I kind of get it. Like, I, I understand why the Bulls would be into Denny Halliburton. It just really would be a pick that I, I, I guess, again, like, can understand based on things about things about Halliburton that people say that I don't think are true but I just don't like Halliburton really as a top prospect and I think he kind of needs to go to a good team that has pieces in place to have the most success and the Bulls just aren't an environment for him to succeed to me uh, actually I mean I think that's actually partially not true because he, he 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 cannot play on the ball and the Bulls probably wouldn't put him much on ball. Though you never know when you're drafting him in the top four that they might want him to run more on ball than he's comfortable with and capable of. I, I think where, where where he's really strong is like everyone has has called him this linking piece where he's gonna he, the passing obviously is elite where he has the problem where because he can't create at all for himself as an on ball passer I'm pretty low on him just because he can't dribble or shoot pull-ups, or has the strength or the burst to get to the rim and finish or create separation. But attacking closeouts and in transition and running secondary pick-and-rolls and off of motion, the passing can be really, really effective, I think. And, and coupling that with the fact that I think he's going to be a very good spot-up shooter means that he's a really good like off-ball guard type. I'm just questioning how valuable that really is, especially for a team like the Bulls, who kind of has someone like... Like, 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 have linking role players. Like, I think that's kind of Wendell Carter embodied, like, fully realized as kind of functionally a linking big, though I think he could be a very, very good one. So I, I just don't think he really is something, like, the Bulls need to shoot for upside. Um, and I don't think Halliburton really gives you any. And then defensively, like, I have a lot of concerns, despite, like, the, some of the ridiculous playmaking in team defense and out-of-nowhere rotations and spontaneous blocks. That, that's all really, really great. But all of the other stuff, 
not not just the on-ball defense, which is really problematic because of the lack of strength and his high hips and narrow shoulders and his bad footwork. I, I'm definitely on the record of being a proponent of team defense being more important than on-ball defense. But even then, outside of the, the big plays, just the play-to-play consistency to me is worrisome. As he's not good closing out, chasing around screens, um, or like consistent enough making little perimeter rotations. There's just like a lot of room to grow for him. I just don't think the Bulls are the best environment for him to grow because I just it seems like any team in the top four, uh, bar maybe like the Warriors because they're in just such a unique situation for a team picking at the top, is really really not a spot for Halliburton to succeed because they're going to overextend him and ask him to take on a role that I don't think he's comfortable taking on, um, and I that certainly worries me for for his development. So that's kind of why I'm I'd be I'd be pretty out on Halliburton at for the Bulls, really any, like, top seven-ish pick for him. Yeah, All right. Yeah, I was going to say, before we move, wrap up with that, the second-round picks, is there anybody else here in in this lottery era who you think would make sense with the Bulls? Obviously, you're high on Killian. We talked about LaMelo. Because uh, I saw a few rumblings about, like, Patrick Williams. Uh, I know Casey Johnson wrote about Onekwa Okongwu recently, about how there might be some interest there, and there was, like, the Bam Adebayo comparison there. Any other names there you think could make some sense for the Bulls, whether it's at four or maybe if there's a slight trade back? Yeah. I like Poku at four. Uh, I know oh, you right. got him at ten. I, again, I think the Bulls just kind of want ceiling, and he to me has like the second or third highest ceiling in this class. I think with Poku, you you don't really worry about the fit because he's not going to be an NBA contributor to me for quite a while. But I think the the, the potential reward is, is significant there. If there just aren't seven foot eighteen year like he's still eighteen. There aren't seven foot eighteen year olds with the type of special skill and intelligence he shows off, despite the very real role and skill and frame concerns. I think I think he could be an intriguing option. Um, and then the other two are Vassell and Okoro. Just teams you can never really have um, too yep. many defensive oriented wings. Both of them, to me, special defensive upside. Vassell more on the team side. Or um, Okoro more on the ball, though Okoro I think is no slouch as a team defender, and then both bring you know significant offensive upside in their own ways. Vassell as a shooter and difficult shot maker, Okoro as a slasher and a and a and a wing playmaker. So yeah, I, I mean I think those are the three other options that I would really really like for the Bulls. I mean pa- Patrick Williams would, would would be solid as well, um, but I think similar concerns to Denny there. Uh, I think they're pretty similar prospects, uh, though I like Pat Will better. Um, Onyeka, I'd say only if they're really done with Wendell Carter, because yeah, I don't, I I don't want Onyeka playing the four. Um, I just don't think that's a maximization of his yeah. skill set. That sounds right. right. Yeah. So those, I guess, outside of Killian, who's like the very obvious home run pick, I'd say Vassell, Okoro, and Poku would be my top three wants for the Bulls at four if they stuck or traded down a couple spots or whatever they ended up doing. All right, so to wrap this up, 44, that's the Bulls pick in the second round. Give me three names who you think would be good picks at, you know, mid-second round pick number 44 if they're still on the board. Um, first one is Killian Tilly, who I say on, like, every single second <laughs> round thing ever. Just uh, a perfect modern NBA big man at six foot ten with elite big man shooting and decision making with his passing and plus handling. 
Um, obviously, the, the big caveat is, and the reason he's falling this far is the injuries that yeah. he 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 even before his Gonzaga career could never stay healthy, and I think there's a good chance he just never is able to stay healthy. But if he is healthy, like even for like a little bit, I think that's worth second round pick because that's you know whatever you're getting out of him is I think a playoff worthy role player as a big man. The double, the double Killian too. What if yeah. they did that? That'd be that, fun. <laughs> that would like be like the perfect draft. Uh, I mean, I think defensively, though his mobility is not as great as it once was. You know, I think the injuries had some contribution to that. It's he's still plus and mobile for his size, and he's brilliant as a team defender as well. Despite lacking, you know, the plus size and athleticism that gives him like a real defensive ceiling, but like that would be just—he's such a good basketball player, and I think would be a fantastic pick for them at forty. At you know forty uh, uh, forty four wherever they pick, uh, another one is Isaiah Joe, who I think I, I think he might actually probably wind up going higher than this. But ESPN on their best available has him forty eight, and that's kind of like my main intel source that I trust in terms of ranking and valuation. Just like a, a really nuclear shooter and potentially offensive player. I I have I I have Isaiah Joe in my top twenty. I view him as like much more of an upside swing um, with real downside than like a safe three and D plug and play type, which I think he has gotten a little bit of a rep as just because the downside being he, he might just never have the frame to really hold up in the NBA. Like he might be too weak to, to, to ever drive too weak to hold up on defense, too weak to even extend his range out to like 30 feet, which he certainly could if he improves his core strength. But I, I think special shooting potential with his range and, versatility and just the volume of threes he takes. And then, like, with some legit offensive skills, like, he's a good handler, creates space with step backs, a really smart passer, like, has that pocket passed down. Then defensively, like, a really sometimes overly aggressive, but aggressive and anticipatory team defender who covers a ton of ground and has nice technique on the ball, despite, you know, the, the very, the, his very much lack of strength, just uh, a dire need to improve his frame to survive in the NBA. So those are those are the two obvious ones that come to my head. So there aren't really like a lot of great second rounders to me in this draft. Like I think like Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, even like Grant Riller are all probably going to be out of the range at 44. Um, so I guess the last guy I'll go I'll go with who I really like is Nate Hinson um, out of Houston. Just like a defense first uh, wing forward prospect who really is an impressive uh, team defender, covers a ton of ground, lots of range rotating to to make plays at the rim and get steals. And obviously, you know, what you hear about him is just the uniquely incredible rebounding where, he, like, his ability to track the ball off the rim is kind of one of a kind. It's really, really special. Um, yeah, I mean, that the defense is spectacular. The issue with him is, you know, being a 6'5 wing slash forward who really struggles offensively. His spot of shooting was good in college, and I think if it can be good, he can find a role. Just, you know, not a plus passer, handler, has a little, like, one dribble pull-up game and some secondary passing, but none of that to me is really functional in terms of, you know, for the NBA. But if, if he's a guy who you can get to shoot, he can he can find his way onto an NBA floor because of, like, wing defense and, and that rebounding is always valuable. So those are my three, you know, kind of second-round names that I gen- tend to default to. For every team, because I think in the second round you're generally not really partic- you're, you're not really picky about fit, at least as you go down in the second round. So those are the three prospects that I'm, I would be really heavily looking at. 
All right, man. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Uh, where can people hear your analysis on the draft and podcast form and articles? Wait, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, um, my main thing is, as Ricky and Jason graciously plugged at the top, uh, Preps a ProPod with Max Carlin. We do weekly, bi-weekly, right now, like three or four shows a week, ramping up to the draft. And then, you know, we're, our work doesn't stop because a week after the draft is college basketball, and we are going to be talking college basketball games and, and 2021 draft right after the 2020 draft ends, so constant content must you know you can find us on twitter at prep number two pro pod um get us everywhere you listen to your podcast and i will plug one more thing we are doing a live draft broadcast slash episode on twitch during the draft so if if you want you know a, a different um you know more interactive draft broadcast to listen to than you know just the one on your on your tv or alongside the one on your tv come hop in where max and i will answer your questions and we're going to have guests on and try to make it look as you know cool and professional as, as two college kids can um but so yeah that's going to be a really fun time and and that's going to be released as a podcast episode as well after after you know we, we finish up the draft we're going to release that so if you can't make it yeah, that'll be a pod, but that's going to be super fun. But that's the big prep the pro thing. I'm probably going to have like a final board released in some capacity. Uh, I'm not really sure what that's going to look like just because of time constraints. Also, just like for 2021, but just follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore for like all of my work. But yeah, I mean, just the, the main thing is if you enjoyed what I had to say on this podcast, um, go check out prep the pro. I'm going to be on the uh, the Zoomer Draft show that is Prep to Pro podcast, so that's going to be on we, we, we uh, are draft night, draft so guys show. come check out that. I'll be there around the time of the fourth pick, I think. So uh, Prep to Pro pod, super good, really good. Uh, no no one analyzes the draft better in the public sphere, but in these guys, uh, you know, outside of, like, ESPN and the, the real information merchants in terms of the analysis – I think that Max and Ben do a wonderful job. So everyone make sure you're following that podcast. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening guys. And thank you so much for joining us, Ben, uh, here at cash considerations, it's Chicago Bulls pod. Thanks as always. Shout out to the blue wire network. Shout out to our sponsors. Indeed at bet online. And with the draft coming up with free agency and all the stuff happening, Joe, go check out all those other great pods across the blue wire network. We've got a bunch of great NBA pods. And of course we have a bunch of other pods as well. Please go check all of those out. So for Jason and Ricky, and thanks again to Ben for joining us. This has been Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls podcast. We got the draft in a week. We will, unless something big happens with the Bulls, our, the next time we'll talk to you guys is probably going to be right after the draft. So we'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.